Newcastle. For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire, this is Pure West Radio. I'm Charlie James and here's the latest for Pembrokeshire. First Minister Mark Drakeford announced yesterday that pubs, bars, restaurants and cafes in Wales are not to sell any alcohol and to close their doors from 6pm from this Friday, December 4th. The new measures are being introduced as cases of coronavirus have accelerated in Wales once again. In addition, indoor entertainment and visitor attractions will also close. First Minister said, Unfortunately, the virus is moving incredibly quickly across Wales and is eroding the gains we made during the firebreak period. We now need to take further steps together as a nation to protect people's health and slow the spread of coronavirus. This virus and this pandemic continues to be full of unpleasant surprises. It thrives on our normal human behaviour and all those places and opportunities where we come together. It underlines why we need to take further targeted action now. We will focus these changes on places where we meet and where coronavirus thrives, drawing on recent evidence from the UK SAGE group of experts about what interventions have had the biggest impact on the virus. The Welsh Government is making a further £340 million available through the Economic Resilience Fund to support businesses affected by the new changes to the regulations. It will include a specific fund to support hospitality and tourism businesses. The support is split into two funds, a £160 million restrictions business fund and a £180 million sector-specific economic resilience fund grant scheme. The Restrictions Business Fund will enable businesses in the hospitality, tourism and leisure sectors which pay non-domestic rates to access grants of up to £5,000. It is estimated around 60,000 businesses with a rateable value of under £150,000 will receive this support. Businesses not on the NDR system will be able to continue to apply to local authorities for the lockdown discretionary grant of up to £2,000. As the month-long English lockdown comes to an end this week, ministers are reviewing the current travel restrictions in place to make sure they are right for people living and working in Wales. The restrictions will be reviewed by December 17th. The police in Tenby are to include the town's multi-storey car park in their patrols. This follows complaints about antisocial behaviour in the building in Upper Park Road. A police spokesperson said that we have received reports of antisocial behaviour in the multi-storey car park in Tenby and have added the area to our patrol plan and increased the number of patrols. Anyone who is affected by this behaviour is asked to contact Tenby Police. Information can be given to the police either by emailing 101 at david-powis.pnn.police.uk or by calling 101. Homeschooling has risen to 40% in Pembrokeshire during the pandemic. Deputy Chief Education Officer James White said that there were 272 children being taught using elective home education in response to questions from Councillor Alison Tudor at Thursday's Schools and Learning Overview and Scrutiny Committee. The committee heard that this was an increase in those opting out of school-based learning of around 90 this year. Councillor Tudor raised concerns about the safeguarding of these children, especially in light of COVID restrictions and a reduction of opportunities to visit homes, highlighting the Children's Commissioner's recent plan to review how the Welsh Government deals with home education monitoring. I'm Charlie James and you're up to date on Pure West. This is Pure West Radio. For Pembrokeshire, 
And this is not the sports show, because this is the West Files. It sure is. And we've got a guest tonight. I know. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. This is a guest specially for you. Yes. This is your entirely for your benefit. Oh, thank you. But first of all, uh, before I welcome our guest to the show, I'm going to play the theme tune. Oh, goody, goody. And our guest will remember this theme tune, because it's significant. Strange. When you're strange. Yeah, I 
Rebecca and the Bunnymen with People Are Strange, the theme tune to The West Files. Oh, yeah, you've done that for me. And we have a very special guest with us tonight because last month we had Dr. Callum E. Cooper, um, who, and he, he said, what was it he said? Lots of things. No, what was that word he used? Psychical phenomenology. Syn- psychical phenomenology. And you asked me. What is a psychical phenomenon? So may I introduce tonight to you, Ronnie, tonight's guest, Dr. Anne Winsper, who is a... Psychical phenomenologist. There we go, I'll leave you Whoa! to it. <laughs> I'll leave you two to it for a minute, because I know you've got lots of questions. Yeah, well, yeah where do we start? <laughs> Hi, <Yeah>. Anne. <laughs> Hello. Uh, yeah, and it's, I've taken all week practising saying that. I really have a psychical. No, she has. You're very good at it. Oh yeah, I had visions of it not working tonight. So, a psychical phenomenologist, as she said again, I'm so proud of myself. What do you do? Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't quite know. <laughs> where do we start? Exactly. Where do we start? Um, this all started back in the day of everyone deciding to call themselves parapsychologists. Because everybody and his dog now calls themselves a parapsychologist. I've got the squeaky chair again. Yeah, you Sorry. have got. Oh, I wondered if you were passing wind. No, it is, but he calls it a squeaky chair, so don't worry. Fine, fine. No, it's a very squeaky chair. <laughs> the daytime <laughs> presenters just wrecked the place while we're not here. So back to parapsychologists. Yes. So, plus, um, parapsychologists seem to fall into two camps now. People who know absolutely nothing about the subject but think it gives them an air of respectability. Um, People who look at things in an academic style but aren't actually getting to the root of what paranormal phenomena are and what ghosts are and things like that. And that didn't really cover what I was doing. So I started calling myself a psychical phenomenologist because I'm looking at the phenomenon, the phenomenology of what people actually report. So I'm interested in what people say, how they say it, what happened to them, how they describe it. Because at the end of the day, most of these reports are subjective reports. So we're not going to get anywhere with them until we've spoken to the people and found out exactly what they're experiencing and how they're experiencing it. So that's sort of where I was coming from, because back in the day, people weren't really so bothered about the actual experience. And let's not forget, it's not just about the experience of the people who say they've seen a ghost or similar. It's also about the psychology of the people who look for the ghosts because that's just as important that's something that doesn't get covered very often though isn't it it's becoming slightly more popular now but i like to think that in parascience we were looking at this slightly ahead of the curve um we used to do all sorts of experiments on our team (laughs) (laughs) i'd like to find out some of them as well yeah, you probably wouldn't want to take part in some of the experiments we do. <laughs> if, Steve's invo- just, if Steve's involved, definitely not. <laughs> let's just say when I started university, I had to be a bit more careful because I'm sure the ethics committee would have fallen over in the faint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yes, he's, he's had a... Int- uh, yeah, anyway. So, back to psychology of the people that actually look for the ghosts. Yeah. It's, well, to me, 
the whole subject's fascinating because I'm coming at it from the point of view that it doesn't really matter to me whether it turns out to be dead people come back or whether it turns out to be something that's completely internally generated in our mind or whether it's a combination of the two. I just want to know what's going on. And because it's so difficult to actually capture any sort of paranormal phenomenon, despite what lots of groups say on YouTube, it is actually quite difficult to (laughs) capture something. So what have we got that we can look at? We can look at the people. We can look at the people who are having the experiences. We can find out what's driving their experiences. In some cases, we can explain what they're experiences are and that to me is quite fascinating because I like poking around in people's minds. I was going to say you, you, you've obviously got that, that thing like you know how does the mind work mm-hmm. and you know totally. why does it do that just don't make her yeah. angry <laughs> don't make her angry yeah because <laughs> <laughs> weird things happen when Anne is angry oh should we get on to that later <laughs> not I'm not sure that's good for... Yeah, we're after nine o'clock, we're okay. Um, yeah, so it's... it's it, People's minds obviously have a, a big effect on how you put, study people, I suppose. Is that a way of putting it? Well, everyone's experiences are always different because how we perceive what's actually happening around us is totally dependent on our past experience and the biases we bring to anything that we experience in the moment. So it's it's a massive field to try and unpick, which is why I think we need to start chipping away at it, because somewhere there must be a little core of something that's common between all these experiences that might give us a clue as to what's going on. But first of all, we've got to pick away all these layers of people's preconceptions, what they're expecting to see, people who run round haunted houses go, oh, there's dead people everywhere. <laughs> um, we've got to unpick all that to get to the core, because there is something interesting at the core of all these experiences, it's just finding it and picking it out. And that's a lot of people to actually go through their minds, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's common things that we can start picking out. Um, One of the things I've been looking at a lot is um, how we interpret sounds as speech, because, again, that's a massive, fascinating subject, how we're primed to hear patterns, see patterns, and when we hear patterns, we start hearing words. So if you're looking at something like electronic voice phenomena... Which is one of the things that you study quite a lot, isn't it? It's what I did my PhD on, um, but obviously, even though I spent seven years on it, I've only just touched the surface of it. <laughs> There's an awful lot more to look at, yeah. But just seeing how people can interpret a bit of random machine noise into the spirits are telling me to get out is, again, a fascinating <laughs> field to start looking at. Well, I think it's time for some music. Yeah. Before... I'm going to dedicate this first track oh. to Anne. Oh, and, dear. Uh, more, more, it's, it's a sort of throwback to our misspent youth. Which I want to oh. hear more of. We'll be back <laughs> after this track. Ladies and gentlemen, how do... 
You're back for. Uh, sorry, you were you were waving at me from over the monitor. What do you want? I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. <laughs> now, welcome back to the West Files with our guest tonight, uh, psychical phenomenologist Dr. Anne Winsper. And where else would you get psychical phenomenology and the damned with love song on the same show? I was Ronnie waving at me from across the studio. Yes, uh, I should. I'll, I'll tell you. Thirty meters away. <laughs> Some gossip. So, yes. Yeah, you 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 were. Uh, Talking Here we were talking, touching getting on to electronic voice phenomena. Yes, phenomena. Um, we yeah we started talking yeah, well, about. Uh, <laughs> shut uh, up! Uh, shut up! Duh. It's all right. I've got three things going on here. Right, electronic voice phenomenon. Can I ask why it's actually classed as voice if it's sound? Because people generally interpret it as speech. Ah, that's different. That's not what I expected. So how how do you actually... Well, that begs the question, what did you expect? Well, I don't know. I'm not really sure because I'd started reading about it and it kind of starts getting confusing after a while because it's almost like, from what I could understand from what I've read, and I know it's probably not right and, and well, you can tell me the expert's on the other end of this. The expert yeah. is definitely on the other end of the phone. Yeah. Um, it's that different people hear sounds in different ways, but they're not necessarily a voice, but some people can say the same thing as a voice. Why do they hear that? You completely lost me in that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, you, if you're playing a sound to somebody, yes. somebody will hear that as perhaps a sound, and it means nothing. But yes. then you play that exact same sound to somebody else, and it'll sound like a voice, like, as you said mm -hmm. before, get out of it, get me out of it, or whatever. Why and how You're do people hear die. the difference? Shut up, Steve. A lot, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of this is down to what people are expecting. If people walk into a haunted house and they're expecting to hear a ghost telling them something, 
then that's what they'll interpret the sound as. And one of the massive problems in the field is that people post all sorts of sound clips online and say, listen to this, it's saying, get out of my house. And as soon as somebody's told you that, that's what you're going to hear. So is it kind of like suggestibility as well? Yeah, definitely with the clips that people put online. I mean, I've taken part in apparently serious experiments. (laughs) I like the word apparently. Well, I use the word apparently because I spent a whole day in London helping out with a lot of experiments. Then the chap who was running them pulled out loads of sound clips and sent them to all the participants saying, tell me if you can hear anything in these clips. Renamed all the clips with the words that he thought were in the clip so i just threw the whole lot in the bin and said well there's no point now because you've told me what you think it says so that's what i'm going to hear when i listen to it is that down to the way the brain actually works then no it's down to the way that psychologists work because that's not the first time a psychologist has put both size 10 straight through an experiment (laughs) is it (laughs) (laughs) no definitely not we've seen some horrific examples of psychologists trying Oh, come on, please tell some more. Tell some more. What other horrific ones have we had? (laughs) I have to be a bit careful. No, I don't. It's my show. You can say what you like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's Steve's show. Anybody say what they like. (laughs) We usually do. Dr Um, Dr. Matthew Smith, we're talking about you. Yes. Oh, (laughs) He'd done this big experiment. We were, we were both at Liverpool Hope University. Um, were we building a psychomantium at the time? I can't remember. Yes, we were building a psychomantium. OK, stop. What's a psychomantium? Um, people that don't know, including me. Basically, we lined a small room with a lot of velvet and put a comfy chair in it. Oh, I like the sound of that. Um, but they had this experiment going on that we participated in. Um, and the lead psychologist, who's now a professor of psychology and head of department, changed all the parameters of the experiment, rendering the entire thing worthless. Ah. And and doing about three months' worth of work, just because he felt like it. Okay. So, there we are. That's unfair. And we spotted it, and... um, I'm assuming you told him what you thought. Um, We made made ourselves clear, I hope. (laughs) In fact, do you know, I think the psychomantium's probably still there. We, we had the stepladder behind the, behind the velvet, didn't we, which we abandoned. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, number one, what <sighs> would you use a, psychotic, a psychomantium for? Either of you? What, what was it used for? I shall let Anne. She's the professional. <laughs> for trying to induce um, experiences of uh, seeing things, hearing things, contacting the spirit world. If you put somebody in this completely, or almost completely dark room, facing a mirror, um, get them very relaxed, the idea. It's a bit like doing uh, the sensory deprivation stuff, where instead of sitting someone there in a flotation tank or sticking ping-pong balls on their eyes, you put them into this relaxed state staring into a mirror and the idea is they'll start to see and hear things. 
And there's no front-loading of that, is there, by saying to them, um, we want you to think about someone who is significant to you but is dead now. You literally just leave them to have the experience and then question them about what experience they had. That must be really... In our case, it was trying to staple bits of velvet to what was a pristine university wall that wasn't by the time we finished. Oops! It did look very nice. I mean, we spent a fortune at uh, the... uh, We went to Abacan. We did. And bought their entire stock of uh, black velvet drapes. And then... um, we were going to attach them with tape, but the tape didn't hold the weight of the velvet, so we just went out and bought a big bag of nails and started nailing this stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> I am going to ask, how on earth did you get involved with steve <laughs> <laughs> Because he was saying that, you know, you, you've known each other for quite a number of years. I mean, how did you get involved with Steve? You poor woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you answer that, I'm going to play some music. <laughs> so you can think carefully about your answer. I know yeah. what he's trying to do. Yeah. So <laughs> Don't. We shall return after some music, which is appropriate to the Psychomantium. And, um, yeah, you can ask us how, how, how far back we go and stuff after this.
dedicated to our psychomantium at Liverpool Hope University. You can feel free to smash it up. That was the damn. And our <laughs> guest tonight is Dr. M. Winsper. And Ronnie was about to discover how we met. How you met and how you poor lady got involved with Steve. <laughs> and you don't have to be careful what you say. He'll only cry no, but in the corner. start off with, it's been an honour and a privilege. I doubt it very much. <laughs> I do too, if I'm honest. <laughs> and carry on. <laughs> Ignore him. Um, we both ended up in the same paranormal group. A paranormal group that we soon realised was full of fakers and make-believers who were falsifying stuff on their investigations and didn't know how to run an investigation if their life depended on it. Um, so after pulling holes in what they were doing. Um, we sort of felt we probably weren't too welcome there anymore. <laughs> Not that we wanted to stay there anyway. I don't want to challenge your memory of the situation, but they were on the point of throwing us out um, because we kept catching them out so often Oh, um, with the, the um, make-believe world of the paranormal. And it all came to a head at a meeting... Uh, it got very heated, and we were asked to leave. Oh. It got very heated, but I still laugh thinking back at some of the things that were said. I, I, I still can't watch an episode of Fireman Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll ask him about Fireman Sam afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's for another. That's for, that's for a late night edition. That's a late late night edition, is it? Okay. What earth was that? I don't know. I think so. Ooh, there was a noise in the studio we haven't heard before. No, I'm not sure what it is, and I know I it's just not. Should point been... out the studio is haunted, apparently. Apparently, yes. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, we, after being slung out of the first paranormal group, yes. What happened? Which, then? which was run by Moses, wasn't it? Um. Was he Moses? The leader of the no, paranormal. No, uh, he wasn't. Oh, was he was... Moses? Yeah. Nancy, I just remember this. He Nancy used to keep phoning up saying he'd been speaking to Owen Oyston, who was in oh, prison, yeah. <laughs> and he'd been dowsing for oil. And right, did yeah. we want to join him in his scheme for yeah. drilling for oil in, in the middle of Ellesmere Court or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we, he was indeed a crackpot. I, uh, yeah, that's an understatement. Mm. And we learnt quickly that he was a crackpot and we, we caught him out regularly cheating and pretending that he was uh, a messiah-like figure and that he could command the paranormal. And uh, they didn't like that. They said that, in fact, they, we, we started bringing along cameras and sound recorders because we thought that was a good way of perhaps of gathering evidence and all it was gathering was them messing about. Mm. And... Uh, when we showed them this, when they explain when we explained what we were catching, they said, "Oh, you can't use the cameras and the sound recorders. The ghosts don't like it." <laughs> okay. Yeah, even I'm not that daft. Then Sorry, I've just had to. I've just had to stuff my fist in my mouth to stop completely collapsing in hysterics at the thought of Ken and sleeping back. Oh yeah. Yeah, we went to that. I should explain that one. Yeah. We all went on a team-building um, long weekend to the Isle of Anglesey. Oh, lovely. And we all went camping together. It was like five, five go mad on Anglesey. <laughs> and one of, one of the group, Ken, was, was a little mystical. 
And right. it got off to a good start on the first day when he stood outside Morrison's dousing a stone circle. <laughs> okay. Which Morrison's had built tw- uh, about ten years earlier when they put the store there. Rather like the, the one in Haverford West has got a stone circle. Well, this one on the island had a stone circle as well that Morrison's had built. Um, and he, he, he was somewhat scatterbrained in his approach to things. Mm. He completely forgot to bring the outside of his tent, but he did remember the inside of the tent. Okay. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't raining, and he'd forgotten all food and drink. So uh, the first morning... Hans, he brought some eggs? Oh, yeah. yeah he brought... <laughs> brought or bought? Anyway, the first morning, he surfaces from, from the remains of his tent, half a tent, <laughs> um, <coughs> And said, first of all, any any chance of some hot water for me tea? Yeah, yeah, not a problem. We've we've got a kettle. Um, any chance of a tea bag? That sounds like me. Milk, <laughs> sugar, and a cup. And then he wanted to boil boil his breakfast eggs in the kettle while we were no. And then he tried to run us over. Okay. And then the, we bought a temporary barbecue. Uh, went out onto the sand dunes for a bar, uh, you know, a lovely team building barbecue. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Um, except he forgot to take the cardboard outer off the barbecue. <sighs> that went well. I could see the flare for miles. <laughs> anyway, so that, they're, they're all par- <coughs> well, they're very old parasite stories. Uh, in fact, they only weren't parasites, they're pre-parasite stories now. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, there we are. Anyway, sorry, Ronnie, I was... Um, Miss, you, you, you were... were... Yeah, so 30, so talk- 30 years ago. Is that that long? It was. Wow. And you're still friends with him? Because <laughs> we live 200 miles apart. That's, yeah, it might help. <laughs> so to be honest, I don't think anyone else would put up with either of them, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> you, he, he touched on, on parascience. Um, tell us about parascience, how that got together, and how that, you started that, and we got together on that. We literally just sat down and said, there's got to be a way of doing this properly. So we had to think about what doing it properly would mean and started doing it. And we also always ran parascience on the basis that it was our group and you did what we told you to. And if you didn't, well, bye, the door's over there. <laughs> well, that would make sense. So uh, uh, do you... Uh, it sounds like you you agree to a, a great extent on a lot of things you know, both the same. Are there any things that you, you disagree on? Because, I mean, this is a big, big area, you know, of of, of so many different sort of things with, with parapsychology and paranormal and para whatever. <laughs> I get confused with all the words. But do you ever disagree on anything? No. Yeah, he's always calling me names. For well, he does that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's normal. I think that's a form of um, endearment. <laughs> We've famously disagreed, uh, disagreed on the television sh- uh, programme that we worked on with uh, Hollywood, a Hollywood A-lister standing in between us while we were starting to squabble. Really? <laughs> oh, God. We do squabble a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Who's normally right? Don't tell me. We both are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but this is... This, how did you actually get into this in the first place? You know, in the, into the paranormal side of things. I've always had an interest since I was a child. Um, funny 
enough, I was thinking about this the other day because I know a few people who say, I saw Ghostbusters and that started me on the journey. <laughs> well, oh. I'm, t- I'm too old for that yep. because I was into it donkey's years before Ghostbusters. And one thing that always sticks in my mind, and it's a completely ridiculous book, but there was a book about a rego, the surgeon with the rusty blade, who used to do all this surgery with, you know, a spoon and <laughs> to cure people. I mean, it was obviously all trickery, but I remember reading that as a child and thinking, this is really fascinating. What's going on here? And when I got to the teenage years, I was still interested, but I did start to have a few unusual experiences. And I thought, yeah, this is me looking at this for, well, I didn't realise it was going to be the rest of my life. <laughs> and it was quite going to take over like this. I was going yeah. to say, because it, it, from what I can understand, it's kind of taken over the life, you know. Well, that yeah, all started I'm... because um, we went to um, a one-day conference in Liverpool, developing perspectives on anomalous experiences. Mm. And um, we, we... I mean, we, we were quite... We were fairly well respected at that stage yeah um for for the results and the work that we'd done but uh, so we we went along to this uh, conference and we sat respectfully at the back because it was an academic conference and we didn't know anybody you know was, mm. and we could see when they were doing these talks we, we started to ask what we thought were perfectly pertinent questions mm. because most of these psychologists that were standing at the front were talking complete drivel and they had this really condescending attitude of they're there, there, you're just the uneducated ghost hunters. Oh. So this is actually how I ended up with a PhD. Because we got cross, didn't we? <laughs> did get cross. <laughs> and we said, right, if the only way to get to get them to listen is to get the same qualifications as them, then that's what we'll do. And that's what you did? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Anne did. <laughs> no, you're still working. Yeah, I'm still well, you're, you're nearly there. Yeah, I'm nearly there. And that's there. only because you couldn't be bothered doing any more. Well, I found, I found a better approach, didn't I? I get, I get to torment them now because I, I, I ended up with a position inside the SPR. So I can get to yeah. pro- I can provoke the academics without, any, um, without an ethics committee bugging me. Which you'd really enjoy doing. Oh, yeah. SPR, Society of Psychical Research. I said that as well. I've been practising more about that from either of you what's it about what's it she's a psychologist yes I guess she'd be answering Um, actually we don't really know (laughs) (laughs) don't really know what to say let's just say it um, got a bit stuck in the mud for a while but it's turning around again now it sort of got taken over a bit by the academics and lost its way a bit, I think, with basic ghost hunting. Um, but it is being turned round now, thanks to a lot of work by Steve. I mean, there's, there's, I know Steve hates them, but there is room for the academics. But they are not the be-all and end-all. And they certainly don't know as much about the ghost hunting side as ghost hunters. Would you class yourself as a ghost hunter? Do you do you go out there and and look for that side of you know look for the ghosts? 
Absolutely, yeah. Um, not as much as I did because I had to spend <laughs> quite a few years trying to get this blooming thesis written. <laughs> and then as soon as I finished, they went, brilliant, now we're going to lock the country down for the next year. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a plan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... It- <sighs> What sort of experiences have you found then when you've actually gone out on, you know, what type, what type of ghost hunting do you do, do you, do you go out on? Is it just the buildings? Is it people's houses? Is it, do people come to you? Oh, it can be anything, anything at all. Um, I've sort of got a bit of a sideline in time slips, um, there's an area in Liverpool that's quite well known for people having time slip experiences. So, Can you explain I'm, to our listeners who probably don't know mm. what a time slip is? Yes. Um, most of the ones that have been reported, people have walked onto this particular street in Liverpool, Bold Street it's called, and it's as if they've suddenly been transported back in time. They're saying the people are dressed in old-fashioned costume, the shops are different. Um, there seems to be a bit of a commonality in that the light appears a bit dim and sounds appear a bit dimmer as well. Um, and then they'll walk off the street and everything's back to normal, or they'll go in a shop and everything's back to normal. Sometimes they'll go in a shop and the shop's completely different. It can be experienced by multiple people at the same time people interact with these people who are appearing in the time slips Uh, i mean they don't just happen in liverpool i've I've had reports from as far away as australia but there seems to be a bit of a hot spot in liverpool how do they happen or is that something we're still trying to work out absolutely no idea because again it's one of those things that someone's relating the experience to you afterwards i've always said um One of my goals is for someone to get in touch, say, I had this experience last week and it's somewhere where I can try and get hold of CCTV footage and see exactly what happened to them. Because you could say, oh, it's all just in their mind, but I've got one experience, which was two ladies who were walking up a street in Liverpool. Um, It was slightly further away from Bolt Street, but it's still in the same general area. And they said the street was all cobbles, there was no traffic. They just walked up the middle of the street having a chat. They thought the people around them looked a bit old-fashioned. When they got to the top of the street, everything seemed to switch back into modern day. And the street they'd walked up was full of cars and buses and taxis. But they'd walked all the way up that street with no traffic. And nobody running them over. Or <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Get them out of the way. So there's something very strange going on. I'm not quite sure what it is. Is it something that can be investigated, though? Because, I mean, if um, they only happen, you know, I say certain times, I mean, people have them at a certain, the experience at a certain time. Is it something that can be investigated? Well, it's the same. Ghosts and time slips are sort of on a continuum, I think, because a ghost tends to be more isolated, whereas in a time slip you've got the whole scene around you. They might not be the same thing, but they they sort of appear on a like a continuum, and they're all things that happen 
subjectively to people. So you can't stick them in a laboratory and say, right, we're now going to make you have the experience again and see what happens. You can't do that with any of these experiences, which is why we're concentrating on, I mean, Steve does all the environmental measuring. I look more at the psychology of people and what's going on. Um, so we can try and build a picture and at least we can cross some things off the list. Um, but yes, the fact that you can't make them happen to order makes it almost impossible to investigate. Again, unless you happen to be a group who runs around on YouTube going, <laughs> every time I walk in a building, something happens every 10 seconds. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for some more music. Okay. And I'm, I'm I know, I know, on back to back, we let you know we we normally choose. Uh, yeah. Tonight, I'm sort of um, just harking back to Anne and I's shared younger days. Oh. And, um, for you, it was a long time ago. For Anne, it was probably a couple of years ago. She was at the same. You know, it was the same. Like. We used to hang around at all the same venues and all the other, same though, gigs, we? but we didn't know each other. No. I know that one. <laughs> yeah. But we was there. We it was all there. happened. And it's a bit like a time slip because I can't remember a bloody thing. <laughs> Back after the music. Top. 
kosher but it was the clash with rock the cows bar this is the west files if you're wondering why we're playing such um what is that hissing sound coming from not me how very bizarre anyway we have a special guest tonight dr Anne winsmer and we're rapidly running towards the top of the hour. i know i didn't realize till you just said mind you i didn't realize it was december the first that's Tomorrow. true you didn't yeah no i didn't so anyway <laughs> it's november's just run away with me and we've been talking to to Anne. Um, how do you actually introduce yourself? As it because do you actually say you're a psychic? Hold out a hand, especially. No, shut up, you. <laughs> oh, shut up! He's useless. Do you actually class? Do, royalty, do you, you know. Oh, shut up! Psychic royalty. <laughs> Apart from psychic royalty, <laughs> do you actually introduce yourself? As I'm, I'm Anne. I'm a psychic of that word again because I know I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> Or do you Generally, just... yes, because I quite like the fact that people can't spell it or say it. <laughs> I know it is not. It's not an easy word. It's it's one of them ones. That, and, and the thing is, the other thing I suppose is a lot of people don't actually know what it is. Yes, which can be quite good because it then triggers a conversation, um, during which the person I'm talking to inevitably says, "Oh, I had an experience." So. It's, it can be a bit of an icebreaker as well. It must be. It's, there's, I mean, there's so much that I could sit and chat to you about, but apparently we haven't got very long left. Well, we can make a few more minutes. We can make a few more we minutes. Could, I mean, not many more, though. Not many more, no. No, no, no. no. I've got work in the morning. So, I've got COVID vaccines to sort out. Oh, I'll have oh, one. Have they arrived? Not yet. Oh. We're just Don't. getting all the peripherals. Done. Somebody was calibrating the freezer this morning. Ah, thought you'd be on sharpening the needles. <laughs> Depending on who they're for, probably blunting them. <laughs> so it sounds like over. I mean, over the years. I mean, you and Steve have had an awful lot of fun, or several arguments, but you still managed to work well together. I think we work really well together as a team. I'd never say this on air, but I know. Uh, Anne is always first person to pick when I'm choosing a working partner. Ah. Always. But we won't tell her that. No. No, okay. <laughs> See, my mic's turned off so she can't hear me. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk back to <laughs> I thought mine was as well. <laughs> so, when you, I mean, going back to the actual EVP side of things, because that started fascinating me. I, I will, poor old Steve's going to get stuck because I'm going to be asking him God knows how many questions. Well, you've got two minutes to ask Anne. I know I'm going to. So, one thing I did notice, I was reading something, you were saying that there are different levels of, 
I, I don't quite know how to explain. People hear EVP in different levels. You've got the non-psychic and do you know where I'm coming from? You've got the ones that sort of hear the psychic noises and then you've got the ones that don't hear anything. How do, yeah, how, do, how does that work? How do people... Well, again, there's, there's stories behind those. Um, this is the problem. There's no definitive. Um, if you're looking at some of the stuff like the stuff that Rowdiver published when he was getting people to sit and listen to clips, if they came up with the same interpretation he did, he classed them as really good listeners. But if they came up with something different, he said they were bad listeners and kicked them out the experiment. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's helpful. Um, there are people who are taking it very seriously and doing lots and lots of um, experiments in EVP, but I found that the more seriously people take it, they more the more they seem to flip over into using it as a method of proving what life is like after death. So they'll come back and say, well, you know, I, I speak to uh, the people on the other side uh, who there's generally gatekeepers and there's a whole um, hierarchy <laughs> of stuff behind it. And, they say this about what life's like after death, but they're only allowed to tell you so much. They can't tell you everything, and there seems to be quite a strict hierarchy on the other side. So it's very difficult because you've got people running around just making words out of nothing, and then you've got people who are using it as proof of what life is like after death. Whereas I strongly suspect that truth is somewhere in the middle now i do think that people can pick things up but how that's happening now is it the dead talking to us is it people just misinterpreting things or are we actually causing something to appear on the recordings ourselves you know there's a lot of work needs doing on this to unpick it so again it's it's something that's going to take a long time before if any sort of real concrete evidence comes out, as they say? Very much so, um, because normally when you've got something in science that you want to look at, you can formulate a hypothesis about what you think is happening, then you can test it, then you can refine it. But we haven't actually come up with a decent hypothesis about what is a ghost? No. What is a time slip? So you can't test something that you've not come up with a hypothesis for unless, unless you have, so we unless can you work around group. it unless what? what unless you have your own paranormal group and a uh, youtube channel <laughs> well of course in which case it's really simple <laughs> Just come and talk to us on a day by day we've basis. got a show on youtube and we're going to explain we're going to come round to your house and we're going to explain the paranormal and then um, we're going to get rid of find it. a portal to the underworld always a portal and, and a demon yeah. Why is there always demons? Because he's in every film. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, that demon. You are that demon. It's it's been so fascinating. You know, it's just listening to you talking. I could. I just said to Steve, um, I I could just sit and talk to you all night about it. It is. It is such. <laughs> I've just remembered one final funny story. Go you know, for like it. sitting there all night talking to her. Yeah. Well, one night that indeed did happen. <laughs> 
we were working on a television production for I'm Famous and Frightened. And one, it was like celebrity. Yeah. But with ghosts. With ghosts. In fact, it was exactly the same as I'm a celebrity, but with ghosts. In fact, they're in Guirica Haunted Castle now. But, um, yeah, so one of the first celebrities to be flung out was um, Anne Charleston, Madge from Neighbours. Oh, I know, yeah. Um, and then the next... No, the first one thrown out was John Noakes. Yeah. And the next night was uh, Anne Charleston. And we were due to leave to go back to our hotel, which was separate from the Haunted Hotel. And uh, we jumped a, a ride in the crew bus, well, the limousine with mm. Anne Charleston. When she got back, she said, you know, I'm really annoyed. So I'm going to, like, so they ordered some champagne at 60 quid a bottle. And uh, then there was myself and John Noakes and Anne Charleston talking quantum physics and neighbours till four o'clock in the morning. Now, that was surreal. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and drinking the very expensive champagne. Indeed. But it's unfortunately, we've run out of time for the first hour, so we're going to have to uh, say goodbye to uh, our guest tonight and um, join us after the news. For an exciting announcement. For, for an exciting... Apparently, there's an exciting announcement. Yes. So, thank you, Anne, and... Um, thank you thank very you for much. Thank you Oh, it's been fantastic. Ronnie's waving at me saying, get her back on, get yeah, her back on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll do that in the new year. Yes. All right. Please. So okay. Please come back. Join us, in the, uh, join us after the news with an ex apparently a very exciting announcement. For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire, see the action live from our studios in Haverford West at purewestradio.com and on our Facebook page, Pure West Radio. This is Pure West Radio. From Tempe to Templeton. For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire, this is Pure West Radio. Hi, I'm Charlie James and here's the latest for Pembrokeshire. Pubs and local politicians have started a Pembrokeshire backlash after the announcement from First Minister Mark Drakeford that pubs will no longer be allowed to sell alcohol from this coming Friday. The new measures are being introduced as cases of coronavirus accelerate in Wales once again. After 6pm this Friday, pubs, bars, restaurants and cafes will only be able to provide takeaway services. Indoor entertainment and visitor attractions must also close and the measures are expected to last until at least December 17th. Some pubs in the county faced with not being able to sell alcohol have stated they will close